Okay. Thanks, uh, Tracy, and uh, for everyone's shared words this morning. Absolutely spot on. I just want to read. I just want to read Psalm one. I just think that speaks directly into this being planted and rooted. And Psalm one out the out the out the. Let me read it out the Passion. Let's go to that version. It says, there's, it says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelation of light. And this is the part that came to me when we shared that vision of this tree in the forest. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. Deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. But how different are the wicked? They are like chaff, blown away by the wind. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment, for God will not defend them. Wow. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long, for they have no part with those who walk in truth. But how different it is for the righteous. The Lord embraces their paths as they move forward, while the way of the wicked leads only to doom. Come on, folks. We keep standing. That's a great, that's a great vision, Bella, as well. Because we all understand, and we all in this, we are holding on. But there was this picture of this person through the chaos, still standing, worshipping, just holding their hands held high. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So we are embarking on our 21-day fast beginning tomorrow. This little booklet will lead us over the next 21 days. I WhatsApped all of you early this morning or earlier this morning of a PDF version, okay? What we will do also every day is send you a screenshot of that day because some people can't get PDF. They can only see photographs. We will keep equipping and empowering you so there's no excuse that you say, oh, I didn't know. Now you know, Neil, okay? Every day. And then for those who can't print it or need a copy of one of these, we have hand or we have printed copies, but there's only 40, maybe 50 of these that you can get. So if you can use it on your device electronically, it's a lot more helpful. You're going to need your glasses. We had a lot to say, so the print's small. Okay. Okay, it's small. It's very small print. I mean, I'm struggling already. But um, this is the booklet that we're going to hold on to. If you need a printed copy, we'll get it afterwards. So re let's remember the slogan we kind of said, I'm laying my own agenda and needs aside. From the place of Christ in me, I willingly serve others to see them prosper. This is an undergirding and a, a standing as God's people of His kingdom, how we have to go forward. And I'll be trying to explain to you over the last couple of weeks how opposite the world operates like that. Okay, in, in totally the opposite way. Okay, and uh, we're going to embark on this incredible journey as a uh, time to come together and fast and each time we do this, we know we are contending for something. We're contending for fresh stuff. Every year we're contending. But we're contending for fresh things and the fresh season that we're living now. Okay, and then just also, just to remind everybody, we have called a special family meeting for this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And I really do ask that you make the effort to be here. I know if couples with kids, just one of you can come. But we've got stuff to talk into as a community. And it speaks right into Matt highlighting that word that was shared on Thursday evening about aligning. We're not fighting for ourselves. We are fighting together in this. And we are just going to, we're going to speak to you in a form about some things that we are fighting for and believing for. And uh, we'll do that on Wednesday evening. We're not going to keep you, but from, it's from 7 to 8. It's also not going to be recorded. 
Um, so you can be here to kind of suss it out. If you want to find out more, you must come talk to me and Errol and one of the leaders will inform you and help you. So we, we do start our journey tomorrow with fasting. Okay, and I just want to highlight again what I was speaking to last week about what fasting means and why we do it and the reasons behind it. I just want to touch on that quickly. But I want to create a lot of space for our own positions this morning before God. And, I, and if the, anything that we're going to do this morning, we're going to examine ourselves. Okay, we're going to stop and slow it all down. No one's going to rush out of here today. Okay. And we're going to listen and we're going to hear in our own hearts what God is examining our own hearts. When we do that personally, it benefits the corporate. When we stop doing that, the corporate suffers. So take, for example, our government. When they live righteously, everyone prospers. When they live wickedly, we all suffer. Okay, that's how, that's how it works as you stand as an individual before God. So we're going to take some time near the end of this and examine ourselves. Is it nothing to be scared of? Okay. It's between you and God, and you're journeying with Him and speaking with Him. So we're going to go there. I just want to highlight again what I was saying. The word fasting actually means to inflict oneself. Okay, so you're causing pain, but it's for a purpose. There's a reason why we're doing that. As I said, Hindus, Muslims, Jews, everyone fasts, but the, the purpose of fasting is to deny the flesh. That is the underlying principle, denying the flesh. So in the self-denial, the foundation places the desires for the kingdom of God first before other desires that the flesh craves and longs for. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. There's only three types of fasting. Okay, As I said, Isaiah 58, they made up their own way of fasting, but the, this is the fast the Lord has called. And these are the ways the Bible shows us how fasting works. No food, no water. Okay, and we went into that speaking about a little bit, like Paul, when he had the scales on his eyes, and Ananias came to him and prayed for him, the scales fell, but he fasted for three days, no food, no water. Then there's no food but water. Okay, and uh, that's how Jesus did in the wilderness for 40 days. And then you get water with some food, like Daniel did, and it's become known as the Daniel fast, where you basically cut out delicacies, and you are focusing basically on fruit and vegetables. You could probably add nuts and those kind of things added to that as well. But it, it, it defines and breaks down your diet so that your body is craving for chocolate and coffee and Red Bull. Wow. Okay? So that's, it's, it's actually, it, there's a beauty in this. But it requires a discipline. Okay? So what I'm, what I'm saying to us is just... And Errol alluded, I mean, sorry, Tino alluded to this a little bit. Pace yourself. Don't start big, and then by Wednesday you kind of fall flat on your face again. Nathan has offered that he will monitor how your fast is going for you. So if you, if you want to just tell him what you're fasting, he will just keep check up on you. He was happy to do that. You see, it's not that. It's not, how are you doing? How's it going? And next Sunday we're like, Farnas, how was that coffee in the week, eh? Check. It's, not, it's not to check up. It's just, this is for you. How much you desire and want more of God and how much you're going to in, uh, inflict pain on your flesh. When I made that cup of this coffee this morning, I was like, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> and I'm like, I better enjoy this one. This is going to be good. And it, it was good. But tomorrow morning, it's going to be different. Okay? But see the beauty and see the joy in this. Okay? And so know your limits. So start small. So maybe start by just 
cutting out meals in the day and then have dinner. And then just don't have breakfast and lunch. And then just have a supper and just be measured with your portions. And then try that rhythm and see how that works for you. And then try and extend it. Just try, try things that work for you. We're not going to prescribe to you how you need to fast. You need to also ask the Lord, Lord, what is it going to be? And how are we going to go on this journey? So if you're on medication and you need to take medication, also maybe just check with your doctor about what you could do and can't do. It might require certain things. Don't be reckless. You're like, oh, I want so much, but then you actually suffer for it because your body's going to talk to you now over the next 21 days. Okay? And that's the reasoning with fasting. So the reason we fast is because we are a set-apart people called to be holy. We're saying holy, holy, surrounded by holy. The, every other religion or desire of people in fasting is to try and gain something in their own strength to this body, and then they try and gain this tranquility of soul. They don't find it. Okay, but we are, it's a spiritual journey that we go on. So the, the three steps I shared last week, by because it's being spiritual, is that we approach and we see strongholds breaking down in our thinking and in our minds and our breakthrough that we, we fight for and we believe for when we come to those things. It's also about a protection over our families as we fast and we believe over certain um, circumstances and then also divine guidance. Every one of us should desire a close walk with the Lord. I, I want to walk and talk with Him every day, every moment, wherever I am. He's always talking to me. I mean, Robin kindly messaged me in the week because he saw me in the traffic and I was doing this. And he was like, hey, but I'll show you a bit of grace here because you are texting while you're driving. And there's traffic officers here sitting in our church. I was actually parked. I wasn't moving forward, okay? All right? And you don't have anything. You don't know I was doing it. This is my confession to you now, okay? So actually, I messaged him back. I said, I don't want to sound super spiritual here, but actually I'm making notes for the preach on Sunday. And stuff, because God's talking to me as I'm driving my car. Then what must I do now? Pull over and make a note. Yes. Okay? I was stopped. I was paused. The gear, it wasn't even in gear. I promise. Don't worry. Okay? But I'm making notes. God's always talking to me. I want to walk close with Him. And this thing of fasting will actually heighten that spiritual understanding of that walk with Jesus. And the whole point of Jesus is that it's taking us back to walking in the garden again with God. That's what it is. That's what He's given us. And there's beauty in this. And so it's not a hard, fast, legalistic, you need to do this. But it's the joy of saying, I'm going to deny this flesh because I desire more of God. That's the bottom line with fasting. And in that, the benefits of breakthroughs, divine protection, divine guidance that come along with you choosing and Him and putting your flesh in that aside. So we are going to examine ourselves this morning. And I just want to say, by examining ourselves, and I have seen this in people over years, is that when they are... Uh, through circumstances, then they feel right with man. I want to tell you there's a big difference between right with man and right with God. So people find, oh, so we, we're okay, eh? We're okay. Okay, lack of. But actually with God, He's not. Because He's not confessed of His sinful thinking and sinful ways, and then He'll come and take bread and wine here and carry on like it's normal. He didn't examine Himself. So don't fight to be right with men when you're not right with God. Get right with God first. And then things with men will flow in unity and alignment and peace. I guarantee you that. So I want, to, I want to read from 2 Corinthians 13 where Paul speaks just at the end. I just want to refer to, I'm going to read a little bit, quite a few passages. I must go. We've got mint time here. Let's go. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13. And this is his final words to, to the Corinthians. And he says 
He says this about the, the, it's his third time he's coming and the establishment of two or three witnesses of a charge. And he's warned those who have sinned and it's, while he's absent, he wants to speak to them and, and speak, uh, checking of the proof of Christ in you because he's not weak, he's powerful. He was crucified in weakness but now lives in the power of God. But then he says in verse 5, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. The faith. He says, test yourself. And we have to test where we're at. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But, I pray, but we pray to God that you may not be wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for truth. So he's speaking to them about examine your behavior, examine your lives, have a look at them from that perspective. And I just want to set that as a tone for this morning. So and then I want to read from 1 Corinthians 11, but we'll get there as I go. I just want to get back there. Okay, so we're examining ourselves. We are testing the proving, like it says in Colossians, the genuineness of your faith as if refined by fire and gold coming forth from it. I preached that near the end of last year about that verse. Okay, so when we look at the world around us, Okay, the expression and the desires of the flesh are rampant. It's free to be. Express who you want to be. I mean, there's a new, a new term now, what's called fluidity or something. So if you want to be this one day, you can be someone else the next day. You just decide. So it's, it's so confused. It's rampant. It's, it's the desires of the flesh. We mustn't be surprised by it. That's what the enemy, that's what will happen. But what do we do? Stand. Okay, that's, that's what's happening, the free expression, okay, that people celebrate today, and it's totally counter to the Word and counter to God in everything that is. That's the world we live in. There's also people that are desiring spiritual things, and through strong works and mental strength, they try and find this peace, as I was saying, tranquility of soul and success, and, and tranquility of, of soul and success, but they avoid the Prince of Peace. Okay, and they avoid the reality of who the savior of their souls is. So many try and engage in Eastern religions that also take on fasting and meditation, but it won't bring them close to God. Okay, things like ancestral worship that we dabble in to try and find some sort of touch of success in life because it's cultural, but it's actually not biblical at all. Okay, and then things like Islam. It's a totally counter to the way God looks and does things. So I want to just touch on Exodus 20. And now we all know what this chapter is, and it's the Ten Commandments. Okay, and a couple of years ago, I paused and I said, well, let's try and see if we can remember all Ten Commandments. You just take two minutes to see if you can remember all Ten. And I guarantee you, 90% in the room couldn't remember all Ten. And it's not a test now, but it's just like they're in you, they are birthed inside of you, but it's not a, a check, but it's good to just look at this every now and again. Let's just read through that. Okay, Exodus 20, and God has now given this to Moses, and he says, Firstly, you shall have no other gods before me. So let's take the thing of ancestral worship. Don't worship other gods. Worship me. Okay, the second thing, you shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below or that is in the water under the sea. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So he's saying don't worship idols. We don't make carved images today and put it in our houses and bow down and worship it, but we have other idols. We worship comfort. 
Don't take me out of my comfort zone. Fasting is uncomfortable. So I'm not going to do that. Okay? You're our comfort zones, the idolatries that we have around today, our identity is that we are so rooted in everything else that we worship except God. Image is a major part of a, it's a worshipped in, 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 in the world today, how we look at things. Money, consumerism, more than ever. Even with people don't have money, they just keep spending. It's, it's idolatry. And that we worship these things as they appease us and give us things, the entertainment. We are obsessed with being entertained. We have a, the world today is obsessed with sex. It's, it's just rampant in every part of society. Comfort. And then the guy says, our phones. I mean, I think our phones are becoming idle. Just leave that thing for a day. But yes, your business, everything works in there. I get it. Okay. Sec, thirdly, you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Meaning cursing and banter in the Lord's name. Meaning making his name empty and meaningless. You're upholding the name of the Lord. Okay, you're holding it in high esteem. His name, mighty God, Yahweh, creator of all things. That's third. Fourth one. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall do no work. And he's explaining about male servants, everybody. He's explaining there's a rhythm of rest that the world today doesn't understand. People work themselves to the ground and they die of a heart attack at 55. Because there's no rhythm of rest. I'm not being legalistic here. I'm saying just these are rhythms and things God's speaking to us to try and see. Now compare what I'm reading to what's happening around the world around us all, all the time. The stuff's rampant, right? And it's not like it's stopping either. It just keeps going. Okay? Honor, fifth, honor your mother and your father that the days may be long in the land that your Lord your God has given you. It's the only command and with a promise. Honor your mom and dad. Honor your parents. And then you will have blessing as long as you live. Okay? You shall not murder. There's 82 murders on average every, every day in South Africa. 82 murders every day. That's just in South Africa. You shall not commit, commit adultery. Okay? Much of this, unfortunately, has been exposed within the church over the last few years. Even now, there's a major case going on of adultery that's been playing out. Okay? You shall not steal. I've had my wallet stolen out of my bag here in church. We've had cell phones stolen from here. But don't steal. But we still steal. Okay, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. Meaning, don't lie against your neighbor. If you, if you have to stand for truth and what it is, don't lie about it. And it's not talking about your neighbor at your house. It's talking about the person sitting next to you. That's your neighbor. And the last one, you should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife, male servants, female servants, ox, donkey, or anything. He's basically, you're looking with eyes of desire going, yes, I wish I had what he had. I wish I had that car. I wish I had that house. I wish I had, and you're coveting what they've got and thinking, I wish I had that stuff. We look with eyes of desire. You see, the Ten Commandments as we look at, but they're getting broken in society all the time. All the time. And it's not like it's going to slow down and stop. This has been happening for thousands of years. Since this was, these were put in place by Moses and God gave it to him years ago, that t those Ten Commands have been broken over and over and over and over again. That's why Jesus needed to come. That's why he needed to come. And what did Jesus say? He said, I haven't come to abolish the law, meaning I haven't written it off. It's not now done and finished. He says, I've come to fulfill it. And he took it to a greater place, but with the thing of understanding of grace and righteousness upon us now. So we don't try and adhere to these ten rules. Oh, shucks, I got it wrong. And stuff. No. It's, a, it's now written on, on your hearts. It's who you are. 
You don't want to do those things because of your close walk with Jesus. There's no desire to do those things. And then if you do those things, there's consequences. In the natural you have to pay, but before God the consequence is your sin, and He has made a way for you now to confess and come before Him boldly before the throne of grace. Okay? And the thing is in society today, see, as a believer, we sit here as believers of Almighty God. We live through the cross. We don't go beyond the cross. We live through the cross. Because through the cross is the access to the Father. Through the cross is the confessing and the laying down of your sins before God that you can come to Him with a clear conscience, knowing that your sins have been paid for, for today, tomorrow, and the future, if you live a life just laying it down before Almighty God. And I'm just trying to highlight the things here, because what Jesus did, you see, He came and brought a deeper level of meaning of obedience. Instead of it being the letter of the law, it's now the spirit of the law. Our hearts don't want to do those things. We want to honor God and serve Him. It's not legalistic. So we're examining ourselves. We're not examining the world because it's going to constantly just fall away until His return. But it's us standing firm and standing strong in the midst of stuff that we're dealing with. And I'm, so over the last few weeks speaking about this fight that we're in. And Bella, you know, you allude to it, say we're all facing stuff. We're standing, you know, I'll just give you a little highlight in my world, the stuff that we come up against all the time and are fighting. What we're doing is we are fighting unrighteousness. We are fighting wickedness. We are fighting injustice. Okay, so the guy who I paid a lot of money to, to help register my vehicle that I was given last year, through a long story and talking to our traffic officer friends here, I had to give the car back because I couldn't get it registered in South Africa. Long story short, he still owes me my money. But he won't give it back to me. It's like thousands of brands. So I went to a lawyer, a friend, sent him letters. He's still not responding. Now I've got to go to the small claims court. Is it annoying? Yes. But I will not let injustice go. I will see justice. So it's a fight because of his unrighteousness. Okay. So I go to the dentist this week and tell her I need a filling. So she says to me, five-minute consultation. That's great. You need a filling. Come back next week. I'm like, so you're going to, I'm going to check now. Are you going to charge me two consultations? Because I'm telling you what I need, but now you bring me back. No, no, please. I came here, now do it. I said waiting longer than I said in the chair. So it's this, this like unrighteous kind of thing because everyone's under pressure. So I'll just manipulate the system to work me, but you're at my, you're at my hold. You see the things we're fighting? Okay? Teachers at their schools, the ethos that they have and the way they raise their children is completely different to the way we think about kingdom raising children. They don't bulldoze over my child. He has, an, he, has, he has a right to a choice. And you bulldoze over him and tell him he's the problem. Now I think you're the problem. So we're fighting this culture that opposes the things of the kingdom all the time. The traffic. The traffic. <laughs> Do you, you guys want to just come up and tell us some stories about the traffic? Sorry, sorry I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at you a lot this morning. You know this week I saw, if you come down... People are losing their minds in the traffic. They're losing their minds. I saw a woman, literally, the robot was red for her, and she was edging in front, going, stop, stop, stop. She wants I was like, but it's red for you. Why? What are you doing? Like, just taking the lawn down, and she's stopping everybody so she can go. I'm like, but it's red for you. What are you doing? <laughs> Crazy. I mean, get to the bottom of Okabsavach, and there's three lanes. Two lanes turn right. The other lane is going up. There's an oak parking in the, down, in the lane, in the end one, that the cars go up. He's like, they're going to go. And the oaks come behind him because they all follow like sheep. 
I'm like, no one's listening. Three lanes, all blocked, no cars can come up. I'm like, where were you guys, man? Where were you? I'm like, I had, I had, I had Ellie in the car. I'm like, people are losing their minds. They're not thinking straight. So there's this constant battle against lawlessness. But then also you get, and this is what you get in, in consumerism now and the, and the products, is people don't change the price of their product. They just make the quality less. And then they keep the price the same. That, folks, is dishonest scales. I mean, we joke about it, but it happened with the toilet paper we bought. I mean, like stuff's like sandpaper now, but it's the same brand. And it's the same price. Shucks, man. Yeah, so much. Sure. Don't, don't cut corners with your product and then keep the price the same when you're offering less. We have dishonest scales, so it's a fight in our just God really it's constantly against us. And I, I must admit, you can get caught up in this stuff and you can get very disheartened. Because it always goes against us. We find the system all the time. Everything going So people aren't just taking from you anymore, they're grabbing. They're grabbing because everyone's desperate. The economy around the world and everything's going down. People are desperate, but it's done in just subtle ways. And to constantly be standing for righteousness is tiring. But I want to tell you folks, don't let up. Don't let up. The enemy wants to silence you and stop the fight. Okay, and it's not taking on people and taking on the system and stuff. It's just upholding things. So I'm going to have a little gentle conversation with my dentist and say, I just think it's unjust. The way you are charging me two consultations. I'm, maybe I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's not going to do that, but I can see what's coming. Because we've all been there. We know what happens. Okay, but we've got to understand, you see, the enemy is rampant about laying the world down in such a way that looks so counter to the kingdom, and he wants the people of God to be despondent, to just give up. And that's why we have to examine ourselves, because there's that beautiful verse in Psalm, I think it's 73, where I think it's David or one of the guys writing the Psalms, and it says, he says that when I came into the house of the Lord, then I saw their fate. And our perspective, you see, is that when we go before God, then we will see how the wicked will fall before God. And it's got to be from the place of His presence and with and in and through Him that we look at this world. Because it's, if I'm very honest with you, it's annoying me. <clears throat> the state of things that we just are okay with. It's just, it's, okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay. The abject poverty, it's not okay. But I don't, we, we, we've got nothing to, with resource to be able to make a change. How does this change roll out? The enemy has rampantly allowed things to take place because it turns people from God. And it's a little three-letter word called sin. Sin draws people further and further away from God. But salvation shall spring up from the ground. And many, I know many, will turn to the Lord. Things are rampant and heightened up. I just want to read again those 10 points by Alice Bailey. I've read them before. Where she was this woman in the 40s and the 50s who wrote all these books. And this was a strategy to lay into society. And I know you've heard them before. I'm going to say that again because I'm bringing a comparison about we see God brings His order about how the enemy tries to bring His order. 10 points. Done, written in the 50s. Take God and pray out of the education system. We've seen that happen. Reduce parental authority over their children constantly happening. 
Destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure or the traditional Christian family structure. Destroy it. We've seen that play out. If sex is free, then make abortion legal and make it easy. Millions and millions of babies have been aborted. Make divorce easy and legal. Free people from the concept of marriage for life. We've seen that play out. Make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle rampant. Debase the arts. Make it run mad. So think of musicians. Think of artwork. Think of expression of art. How the, like, even now it's becoming more like in your face, satanic understanding when it comes to worship and music. Um, not worship, music. Worship of Satan. Okay? Just make it run mad. Let people express how they want to feel. I think this is now number eight. Use media to promote and change mindsets. We've seen propagandas, how Goebbels and his friends in World War II did that brilliantly. Nine, create an interfaith movement. It's all the same. We all worship the same God. Like, let's just all be one together. Ready? And then third, lastly, get governments to make all of these law. See how they're fighting for put these things in place and get the church to endorse these changes. And, and here's the harsh reality. They, those are all rampant. They're all playing out. And I've just, I've just found it so kind of like, um, I don't know, challenging to read this Dietrich Bonhoeffer book, you know, and a man that fought with so many people to try and stop something, and they didn't stop it in World War II. And there's a realizing, you know, we often pray about stuff, that, but there's so much stuff that's just not being stopped. Then you've got to understand Matthew 25, where the Lord says, these things need to take place. Then the end will come. And so what it's meaning more and more and more these days, yes, we stand, we stand for righteousness and justice, and I've said it over and over, there's a revolution of righteousness and justice that's arriving, arising because we're not just going to settle and stand for these things, but it actually comes down to us as individuals and then the corporate believing body that stand for these beliefs and stand together. It's a tough fight, but the fight's just getting more rampant. And this is why you need to know who you are in Christ. This is why you need to examine yourselves. Because you will be, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, you will be tested. Your faith will be tested. And you will be tempted to compromise because it might be in a compromising position. And you're like, if I say that now, I'm going to cause trouble. And you're not looking for trouble. I promise you, when you stand for truth, trouble just comes your way. And this, this, is, this is why we need to examine ourselves. We need to walk out of this place checking our own hearts, checking our own understanding that we know the way, the truth, the life, Jesus. And as I'm saying, leading us to stand. Because this large exposure of sin, even in the church, is continuing to happen. Over the last few years, there's been numerous, big things that have popped and it's not in judgment, it's out of more, oh God, check my heart. Check your heart. Where we're at. Because all those scenarios all play out with a similar, the same pattern. It all starts with the manipulation. They deceive people. Okay, hiding stuff. Then there's denial. And then pride kicks in. And they refuse to humble themselves. And then they continue carrying on and going. What a bad rap for the church. I'm just talking about that's things in the church. Now I'm talking about the politician who gets caught with his secretary and everyone freaks out about him and he kind of gets dissed from his job. He follows the same pattern. But we can't behave like that as kingdom people as well. Examine yourself this morning. And I just want to read 1 Corinthians 11 and then I want to create a lot of space for us 
to take time at the table this morning. We're not going to rush this through. Okay, we're going to take time to um, be before the Lord and allow Him to speak to our own hearts. Now, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, and it's, he's speaking, I'm going to read this through, the whole, this whole passage, okay? But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Now, he's giving a harsh word to the Corinthians because they were just so disobedient in so many things. Because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are some divisions among you. And I believe it in part. And there's a very powerful line. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Think about it. Read that again. There must be factions among you. So Neil, we must disagree sometimes. Because what will happen is that the, the genuine among us will stand through. If we both genuine, we'll carry on as brothers. Think about it. So you disagree? I watched a clip from a guy that actually preached in this hall a couple of years ago from America, and he's given up the ministry. And one thing he said was, people just do what they want. You don't like it? So you just leave and go to another church. It's like, what is that? What is that? It's selfish. You don't like it, so you just move on. So you, don't, you don't fight for the oneness of spirit. Paul writes in most of his books about fighting what Matt was alluding to, alignment. But because it doesn't suit you, you just move on. God, God if he makes notes and he doesn't have a black book, but that stands against you because you have broken the unity of the spirit. So read it again. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Think about it. For when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Now, in those days, it used to be called a love fest. So they would come together and feast and eat and rejoice and celebrate. But what was happening, there was disparity in the society. So the rich and the poor, the rich would just come and feast and chow and do stuff and leave people without anything. So he's, like, he's writing to them, explaining this situation. So when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one goes hungry and another goes drunk. What? He's like, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and gave thanks. Betrayed, took bread, gave thanks process that's beautiful and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he also took the cup and after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood and the body of the Lord. Let each person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Some translations say discerning the body, meaning your own body, 
but also the body of Christ and His body, which is the church. Now, some versions say that you drink damnation upon yourself when you just come and take of this. And it's not necessarily, and many have said it's for unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever and come in and you take of this, you put judgment upon yourself. No, I believe you're just drinking juice and eating a piece of bread because you don't understand the power of this covenant meal. It's those that come here with harbored things in your hearts against people, not necessarily in this room, with sins that are happening, and, and you, yes, the heart and trying to get through, but you haven't examined yourself and you just come and eat and drink. And then he explains to you what happens to those people. This is how things play out. He says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Because we basically take lightly what this meal means. And we just come and do it and it becomes tradition and we just go through the process and we do what we do. We actually don't pause and examine ourselves. Now this is not heavy judgment. This is life. This is life giving. When you look in the depths of who you are and allow God by the conviction of His Holy Spirit to highlight things to you so that you can walk and stand with a clear conscience before Almighty God. And if we're going to approach 21 days now to walk closer with God, we've got to start like this. We have to begin here. And when we begin here, we align our hearts to His purposes and His desire for us to flourish and walk in Him. So that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some even have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. Okay, now we, when we think discipline, we're just thinking, wow, wow. No, discipline is training. It's a building up. It's a teaching you. Okay? So that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, he means when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Show respect to one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. And then he says about other things, when I come to you, I'll give you direction. We're going to come before this table here this morning and examine ourselves. We've got 15 minutes plus. Okay? And there's no hurry now. And I want, before we come rushing here and we take bread and we take the juice and we go and sit down, we need to take a couple of minutes to examine ourselves and just pause. And I've tried to give you a comparison, the Ten Commandments, the order that God has given and Jesus came to fulfill the law. The spirit of the law now is I want to live for Him, but how the enemy has counted stuff, we're seeing rampant in our society and it's hard to counter, but we don't falter. We just keep standing strong holding firm to the truth that He has spoken to our hearts, and we don't compromise on truth. This is the fight for the church right now. Don't compromise on the truth. And we hold to who He is, the way, the truth, and the life. So, Trace, I don't know if you're still in this room. Is she here? Sorry. Oh, you've got a baby in your hands. Oh, Marlon's on keys. Marlon's on keys. Sorry, but if you can just come and play gently for us. And the song I thought of again this morning was that Michael W. Smith song where it speaks about sin and its ways grow old. <laughs> sin and its ways, it grows old, man. It just leads you to destruction and webs of deception. But just come before Him. So let's just close our eyes. And there's no hurry now. We are not going to race this process. Because if we are going to truly press into the things of God, We've got to encounter Him.
And the way I want to do it this morning is that when you feel, after a couple of minutes, you feel you're ready to come up to the table, you come up as an individual and take the juice and take the bread and go back to your and see this is between us and God this morning. But don't rush here. Just wait. Just wait. And allow Him to speak. Allow Him to minister to you. So Jesus, we come to you with all humility in our hearts. Knowing and understanding there's a lot going against your body right now. But we dig deep to the depths of our resolve and understanding that your kingdom is unshakable and it will not falter. And I'll say to you, Almighty God, I will not falter. I will not compromise in these hours and this time. Now you come before him. Come before Jesus. He's not turning away, not rejecting you. Thank you, Jesus.
We're not going to hurry through this. I want to just create the space. Let's just wait for the packing up. Let's leave that. We don't have to do that now. You can bring your glasses. You can put them back on tables. But just We can leave that till the end. Let's just hold the space. Because being before Him is where our strength comes from. In His presence is the fullness of joy. It's a very important thing to come before the Lord like this and to feel the weight of things sometimes. We can so often skirt away from them. You've got to feel that weight of sin and weight of the understanding as you examine yourselves and then come to Him because you've got to remember this. The enemy brings condemnation. But the Spirit and through Jesus, He brings, he brings conviction and you're convicted to want to set right before God. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, before he writes to them about being tested and his final warnings, he speaks about this, the vision that he has of the thorn in his flesh. And I think purposefully the Lord never, we no one knows what his thorn was. Because if it was labeled, everyone would go, yeah, that's mine too. We don't know. There's always weakness in our lives. But this is how Paul explains where he speaks about this. And I want to read this chapter to encourage you because we don't often go this deep and push in here and the charismatics, we can often run past these moments. We've got to feel, we've got to look deeply into the depths of who we are. Because I can guarantee you the resolve and the depths of your standing and your spirituality is going to only get tested more and more in the days we live. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelation of the Lord. And I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise, talking about himself, whether in the body or out the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told which man may not utter. And on behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. If I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I'd be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me and hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited and proud because of the surpassing greatnesses and revelations the Lord has given, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, and I want these words 
to massage the depths of your souls and your spirits here this morning. As we've gazed and we've examined ourselves, we've come before this table. This is what the Lord says over you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he goes on to say, therefore, because of that, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I speak these words over you this morning. We're not trying to raise perfect Christians that never get it wrong and we live these facade fake lives with masks in front of people but we truly come before God with authenticity knowing that he is not judging your weakness he's judging your sin and you come to him in weakness because his power is made perfect in weakness and there's the humility where we humble ourselves before almighty God let that massage into your souls this morning. Thank you, Lord. Since Bella shared that word about the rock, it's just been going through my mind. And as I was sitting and examining myself, I felt the Lord say, where are you on the rock? I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to envision that rock out in the ocean with those waves. And there's varying points on the rock that you can be. And something might apply to you. And as we go into this fast, you know, a fast is a reset. It's a a resetting our gaze back onto Him. It's a resetting of our priorities. And so on this rock, there were certain positions of people. The one position I saw somebody who had, he had been slipping down the rock because the waves had been so fierce. And he'd almost been body slammed against this rock so many times that his bones were breaking. But he was gripping on for dear life. The other position I saw was somebody who was about to jump off the rock because they just had enough. They just couldn't take it anymore. There was no hope. There was so much hope deferred that it was almost propelling them to jump off the rock. The other position I saw somebody sitting on the rock, but just losing, losing hope, losing grip, but they were sitting. They were still on the rock. And then I saw Jesus, and I saw him with each person on those different positions. I saw him begin to reach out to pull the one that was about to jump. I saw him begin to reach out and pull up the ones with the broken bones. As his healing power began to fill that person and restore those bones. And I saw him sitting behind the one sitting on the rock, just engulfing them. You see, Jesus is at every position on the rock. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's been with us through it all. And he, he, that is his promise to us. Don't leave the rock. That is the rock of our salvation. That he is with us at every position. He will never, ever leave us. And so, Father God, we pray today as a community, Lord, we examine ourselves and we see where we are on the rock. Some might have even jumped off, but you know what? 
he jumps off after you and he will bring you back. And he will restore your position to standing strong. He will restore your position to arms lifted high. For me, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm the one that was about to jump off. Because I can't anymore. There's too much hope deferred. But he's pulling me back. And I can't resist him. He's irresistible. So Lord, as a community, as we examine ourselves on this rock, we come before you and we say, we are serious about this fast. We're serious about our position in you. We're serious about the things we know that you can do. We are serious. And we are steadfast and our eyes are fixed as we go into this fast. So Lord, would you come now to everyone here, to wherever they are on that rock, would you show them where you are? Would you reveal where you are on the rock? Because when he reveals where he is on the rock, it gives you such hope and it gives you such strength to face today and strength to face tomorrow. And we commit ourselves to you and we commit ourselves to this fast. Will you stand with me, please? I just want us to see as we're standing here, I want you to picture yourself standing on that rock. And even like Bella, if you want to lift your arms up high, standing on that, in that position that we choose, despite all that's going on around us, we stand. We stand. Yeah, that's exactly right. Sometimes it's hard to see when you can't see. <laughs> but you know, he's given us eyes of faith. Yeah. That's what he's given us. He's given us eyes to see. He's given us the ability to pull the unseen into the seen. And so today, wherever you are on that rock, now see yourself where he sees you. Now see yourself standing firm, feet firmly planted, strength in your back like an iron rod, arms lifted, not weakly, lifted with strength, praise coming from your lips that comes from the depths of your soul declaring and decreeing he is God almighty he is alpha he is omega he is the beginning and the end thank you Jesus for who you are and he never ever changes and today Lord we stand on that that you never change. And we decree that we will see with eyes of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, babe. Now go in strength. Even though you're weak, go in strength. And let us engage with this journey now of this fast. And God speaks to us and he journeys with us as we press in for more. Amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you.